We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass podcast. This for UFC Fight Night Busan. Korean Zombie versus Frankie Edgar. Paul Shaughnessy here. Look, Mom, no hands. Our boy ZP, Zach, Zachary Penser, helping us out with all these things. Obviously, Zach, Zach working the, uh, doing the sweet cuts behind the scenes here. And I've got my boy Cody Saftik in studio, as is tradition. Coming off the heels of... You know, some people will be like, they pick Colby Covington. It's like, you tell me that we have a pretty much a pick em fight going into round five with oh, yeah. Colby Covington. Uh, and he's plus play. 160. I'm taking that shit all day long. Luckily, I was able to actually cash out of some of my bets. Um, after round two, when he was there and he was saying, you know, that his, that his jaw was broken, I was just like, please give me an escape from some of this action. And they gave me 70% of it back. Killed it on Volkanovski, uh, made a bunch of really good live bets along the way. Like it was a, it was a very good card for myself, and sounds like it was for you too. Two events ago, almost all the favorites hit. It was a very profitable card. Last week, tons of the dogs hit that we liked. Good card. This card reeks. Watch out, trap, just to get your money from you right before the holidays. So just keep in mind that after this is like what three week break before we come back with the McGregor fight. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, I see some spots on the card Basically I like. A month. This is a tough card. It's a tough outing. And a lot of these guys, they got to adapt going all the way to Korea. So, yeah, it, it could be very interesting. This does feel like a card that you don't want to give it all back. No, this, this We've been doing like well the last shins. little bit, and it's just like, this is a card. Be careful. If you have hot takes on it and you feel really good about it, good, go for it. But uh, this does feel like a card that I'm not going to be investing too much into. DraftKings contests are pretty small. The card locks at 2 o'clock in the morning, so be mindful of that as well. You may have to stay, I don't know, it's holiday, Christmas, it's Christmas holiday season, there's parties, 
I will probably be intoxicated at 2 a.m. when this card locks. So, you know, them's the breaks. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell people, hey, well, you know, there's this card, UFC Busan, so I won't be able to uh, come to your Christmas party. It's a good thing, though. It's, that the, it's a good thing, almost like a safety net put in place that you can't live bet the early portion of the card because if you do leave a Christmas party and are completely boozed at 2 o'clock, you're not going to be like, fuck it, let it ride. It's like, no, 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 don't fuck it, don't let it ride. We've been doing good. Mm-hmm. Count the good spots. Although, again, let's jump into it here shortly, but uh, yeah, I, I like some of them anyways. Before we get to that, uh, we have obviously a little bit of housekeeping. We've got, I think we're on to Mayo. We got all, like, you know, there's no, there's no talk about uh, our boy Lockport. He didn't win. It is uh, Merk Alert, M-E-R-K-A-L-E-R-T. You are the winner of 20 DK dollars last week. This week. Paul's got to, or uh, Pat's got to lay low for a little while now that we're on to him. Yeah, exactly. Whatever well, his little scam is. Yeah, I'll see if Lockport starts showing up in some of the other giveaways for some of the other shows. I'm, we're on to you, Mayo. We are on to you. But, uh, yeah, Merkler, congratulations. You're the one year winner of 20 DK dollars. Um, we actually, again, forgot to uh, set up for, uh, for this episode what our giveaway was going to be. So we're going to mail it in. Um, what, <laughs> the re- uh, what fight are you most looking forward to on this card? There's a bunch scattered throughout. It's not like it's, like, top-heavy or anything like that. There's some really good fights early on in the night. And there's some uh, really good ones in the you know, main, co-main, and third fight down. So tell us who you are most excited to see at UFC Busan. Leave your DK handle and obviously give the episode a like. Nothing is possible unless you give the episode a like. Now, we might as well just get into the action, right? Yeah, for sure. Chan Sung Jung takes on Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar coming in for uh, Brian Ortega. It's not the latest of notice, but it's only been like a month type of thing. Chan Sung Jung, minus 175. Frankie Edgar, plus 155. Who you got here, Cody? Well, I mean, I think Frankie Edgar hit the lottery, so to speak, to get this fight. He was originally scheduled to take on Corey Sanhagen in like three weeks later. So he's not fully coming in short notice. Yes, he's short notice. He has to travel all the way to Korea. Yes, he's short notice. He now has to fight the Korean zombie. At 145. And he's going back to 45 because this was supposed to be his 35-pound debut mm-hmm. against Sanhagen. So, yeah, different things have been kind of put in place. But at the same time, he should be well-prepared, the Frankie Edgar that you've come to know and expect. Only at 38 years old, he's not that same guy that we've come to know and expect. His wrestling chops used to be his go-to. The guy can strike. He's a wrestler boxer. But he's just got relentless pace and great wrestling. And so far, his last fight against Max Holloway, one for 15, but it's Max Holloway. Prior to that, Cub Swanson. Swanson, not really known for his takedown defense. 0 for 8 against Cub Swanson. And the fight before that, he got knocked out by Brian Ortega. You almost get a feeling that Frankie Edgar's coming to now the near the end of his career. Yep. And I hate when the UFC does this, Paul. Let's take aging former champion, veteran, name brand fighter Frankie Edgar and feed him to the Lions. And that's what we're going to do with Wait, Sanhagen. We're, we're coming off an we're event. We're coming off of Aldo versus Morais, wherever that exact line, train of thought was. Faber was versus Young. It's the same yeah. fucking thing here, right? You don't you got a little need- bit of both in the last... You don't, you don't need to be put... Yeah, and listen, I, I have a huge bias here, but I kind of thought Marais landed the better punches. Could Aldo have gotten the split decision? Yeah, it was a close enough fight. He was way more competitive than Faber, but the matchmaking was the same. You take that young, up-and-coming prospect who's probably going to benefit from that nice rub over the aging legend. Might not make total style... As a stylistical fight, probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you do it to move one guy up the ranks, right? In this case, it's like, boom, I can get out of the Corey Sanhagen fight 
45. I'm used to it. I've been fighting there for the last number of years. And I could take on Korean Zombie, who's 32 years old. He's a little bit older. He's a name guy. He's not going to be this young... Ho- if this was uh, Edgar versus Sanhagen, all over Sanhagen. Yep, if this is Zombie versus Ortega, I'd like to say I'd be all over Ortega. But, you know, he had that knee issue, and he's been off for a while. So, like, who knows, realistically, how that one would have boiled over. But now we've got a different matchup. All I'm saying is, is this a way better matchup for Frank Yeager here. Do I think he can come back through for 155? I don't know. I'm getting the sense that without the takedowns, he's got to rely on his striking. Can he rely on his striking for 25 minutes against Korean Zombie? He can outstrike him in pockets. I see a speed advantage for him. Yeah. I see that Frankie, you know, in and out of the pocket. He likes to double up the jab. He likes to go two, three punch combinations. He likes to throw hooks. He likes to mix up to the body of the head. He is faster, and he's agile on his feet. Korean Zombie plots forward. He's flat-footed. He'll stand right there. He'll get chewed up first round or two. Mm-hmm. But it's after that he's, he's going to be landing these punches. And one thing in looking at tape study on Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar always dips his head. Dips his head, dips his head, dips his head, right? The Guys that are able to throw uppercuts hit Frank Yeager, hurt Frank Yeager. The other guys that don't throw uppercuts don't nail him with that combination whatsoever, right? Uh, the Jeremy Stevens fight, right? It's a head kick, but he wobbles Frank Yeager every which way but lose. The Brian Ortega fight, he knocks Frank Yeager out. So that once cast iron chin might not be there anymore. Yeah. That once gritty, you know, tough, hard-nosed style wrestling might not be there anymore. And as far as the striking goes, like, again, I just don't know that I can rely on him winning for 25 minutes. So could he win this fight? Is he a live dog? I do believe he is a live dog. I don't know that I trust Korean Zombie at 175, but Korean Zombie is the play. I mean, he hasn't looked bad in his last couple of fights. And going back to that uppercut theory, right? Frankie dips his head, he gets hit by the uppercut. That's kind of a way to sting him. Max figured it out. Max figured it out because Ortega knocked him out with it, right? When Ortega knocked him out with it, it was like, oh shit, him and his coaches figured it out, right? Swanson, when you look at that fight, Swanson throws almost no fucking uppercuts whatsoever. But Holloway figures it out, goes in there, nails him with the uppercuts, right? I think that's a similar game plan from Chang Sung Jung. You look at his debut after doing his little military service in Korea, he comes back to the UFC against Dennis Bermudez. Bermudez moves similar to Frankie Edgar. He's short, he's five foot six, he's a wrestler boxer, he's in and out of the pocket. He, he's got a lot of similar traits, although he's obviously not Frankie Edgar. But he nails him with the uppercut, he times him, he hits him with it, he stings him. If he stings Frankie, it's gonna be it's gonna be either a long night of just getting battered around like the Max fight. Or a short night, just getting caught and getting put in now. And then you go back to his last fight for Korean Zombie against Moicano. Moicano's your boy. Moicano's my boy. This guy's been looking the part. That overhand right he clubs him with, first yeah. of all, comes out of nowhere. Very fast. But the other thing is like, shit, this guy's got legitimate power. He stings people. He hurts people. Yair Rodriguez put up with 24 minutes and 59 seconds of getting brutalized by this guy before landing that elbow. That was a good fight, obviously, back and forth. But he can push these rounds later on. It's very interesting to think that like Frankie Edgar made his UFC debut in 2007, right? He beat Tyson Griffin. Yep. In, like, February 2007. That's something, it's the same year, like, six months or four months before Korean Zombie ever makes his MMA debut. Like, Frankie's got all the world of mileage, all the world of experience. I just think he's kind of run down at this point. So, bad bad line, 175. Don't love that. But I think Korean Zombie, Chang Sung Jung, is the, the proper play. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, I think the power is the, the great equalizer here. Maybe Frankie can go back to the wrestling, but... Yeah, we just haven't seen all that much of it, and he is as as the uh, as the division kind of develops. Everyone's just so much bigger. Like Frankie is a one thirty fiver in the yeah. modern day of MMA for sure, and it's tough to to hold a guy like Chan Sung Jung down for for all of those rounds. I just I guess we haven't seen anybody utilize that game plan. Like Frankie Edgar is a quote unquote live dog, just not a place that I'm going to be going to. I think Chan Sung Jung by 
probably knock out like round four is kind of how I see this one playing out. Let's move on to the co-main event. We have Alexander Rakic taking on Volkan Uzdemir. Rakic is a minus 145 favorite. Volkan Uzdemir is plus 125. I like Rakic a lot here, I think. He's Rakic is quickly de- developing to be our boy. I mean, yeah, he's, he's I almost so feel far. like I'm like running into a trap here, though, because it almost seems too easy, doesn't it? The minus 145 there. We've never been high on Volkan Uzdemir. And the guy went on just this like miracle run. Running through, he got a freaking title shot out of it. Got absolutely smashed Rightfully against DC. So. He should have never been there. He should never have been there. It was a nice little run. But the guy has improved a lot. Um, that he has. Like from who was the jabroni on the Bellator card back in the day? Kelly Anunsa. Kelly Anunsa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I lost a lot of money on Volkan Ustamir because of the tape got, of that fight. Yeah, where yeah, I was just correct. like, <laughs> I mean, this, this you know, fat, like, dart hall brawler is... Absolutely just running over top of this guy. Uh, he obviously had improved a lot of spots. Daniel Cormier was able to utilize the same thing that Kelly and Nunson had been able to do. But Daniel Cormier is an Olympian-level wrestler. Um, from what I've seen from Rackets, this guy seems like the real deal, though. He's, he's worked on the grappling and stuff. I don't see that being really what he goes to. I just think he has a striking, uh, a, a specifically an MMA striking advantage in this, uh, in this spot. And, uh, yeah, minus 145 doesn't seem unreasonable. Out of a card where there's, like, a lot of chalk and stuff, this is a favorite that I can definitely see myself getting on board with unless you talk me out of it. No, I I think Rakic, again, he's young in the division. This is the most shallow of divisions. You're looking for contenders. This guy can be built up into something. Volkan Uzdemir, yeah, he's making some improvements, but at 30 years old, you know, he, I, I'm not going to say we've seen the best of him. I just, we know who Volkan Uzdemir is. We know where his limit is. He got to a title shot, shouldn't have been there, and failed miserably. I don't care who's the champion at the weight class, if it's John Jones or if Dominic, the Dominic Reyes fight. I mean, he gave a good account of himself, but again, I just don't see him kind of like in those talks of being a title level contender. Whereas Rakic is exciting. He makes mistakes, but he improves. Every fight that you've seen him in the UFC, you've been a little more impressed with him. But is this a little too much too soon for him? That remains to be seen. This is a little like a a battle of pride, I think, on the line, because uh, Alexander Rakic is from Austria. He's Slavic background, but he's, he's from Austria, Whereas you have Uzdemir is from Switzerland. They're actually bordering countries. And whereas, remember Volkan Uzdemir is spending a lot of time with Henry Hoof in Florida? He's actually gone to MMA Factory in France, which is right over from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, he spent a lot of time with Gagne, Gagne on this uh, okay. training for this fight, right? I'm sure he's not doing rounds with Nganu and those guys, but even Bukachu, who fought in Senegal last week, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure he's going to be well prepared for this fight. But it, it comes down to that puncher's chance. He's got big power. We know he's got big power. He earned that title shot on the basis of catching Misha Chirkinov and catching Jimmy Manoa. Like, he shouldn't have been there again. But he's got that big power. We know he's got that. The chinniest guys in the division. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't throw enough, and that's why I think it's going to be the difference maker. Like, he's improved his wrestling, and he might try to use his wrestling offense to take Rakic down. I just don't know that he's going to be able to hold Rakic down. And Rakic himself has been spending a lot of time working on his wrestling as well. So let's just say we got a straight-up striking battle, which is what I think most people assume we got here. Rakic's kicks are fucking nasty, man. He He will throw lots of them. He kicks from every angle, inside leg outside leg and whereas if you're a mobile guy maybe it slows you down Uzmir is not super mobile he stands super flat-footed so they might damage him I'm gonna have to give speed advantage to Rakic mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to output to Rakic it's people are saying that well maybe Rakic is chinny maybe he's gonna be able to get caught from that punch what gives you that idea that he's chinny the Devin Clark fight 
where he got first knockdown of the round. It's a slip. He doesn't actually get knocked down. Second knockdown, that left hook he eats. Yeah, yeah, but he's immediately like, fine. He's not dazed from it. And then you remember, as soon as he, like, try, he recovers, Devin Clark puts him in a front headlock and just starts kneeing him, illegal knees. And Brian Beauchamp, it's in Toronto, Brian Beauchamp, everybody considers him a terrible referee. My opinion on that, not valid, but uh, yeah, Brian Beauchamp just allows it to go. He takes six in the face and not phased. So I don't know that he's chinny. I don't know that you're just going to go and catch this guy. I've been impressed with him. The combination in his last fight that he used to knock out Manu was like 17 seconds. But it just shows me. He's got lightning fast. He can go up high. And the last point is that Volkan Uzdemir has kind of struggled against taller levels of opposition. Like when you look at his fight with Anthony Smith. Smith's 6'4", right? Yep. Volkan has early success. But as the fight starts to wear off, he's getting beat onto the jab. He's getting beat to the right hand. He starts to wear the damage. He doesn't deal well with the size and the length of Anthony Smith. His next Reyes fight against Dominic Reyes. Yep. Reyes is six foot four as well, right? Yep. 77 inch reach or something. In that fight, it's close and it's competitive, but where he deals, where he's having trouble is he's not dealing particularly well with Reyes' uh, length. Now, Reyes has shit volume in that fight. You look at the striking stats, it's like 44 to 34. It's dog shit. Now, Rakic is also six foot four, has a 78 inch reach, longer than the last two guys, and has way more output. So I think he's just going to dance around the outside and chip him away with light kicks and comfortably yep. win a decision here. Minus 145, yeah, in on that. Uh, we'll talk about the DK side of it later. Um, but it comes down to puncher's chance, right? Could yep. he get clipped and get knocked out? It's sure. a fucking fight. It's an MMA fight. Of course it's a he, light heavyweight yeah. fight. Like, these guys yeah, have yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. And no time ain't got no time for this shit. He's going to go out there and he's going to try to get the job done. But this is also a stylistical clash where one guy's got the tools to get the job done. 145, not a bad, bad price tag. Feel way better than the, that over the Chang Sung Jung fight. So don't mind me some rackage. Do Ho Choi returning off of... What seems like quite a long... Well, how long was this here? Duho Choi returning Year and a half after, since the Stevens fight? We're getting close to two years yeah. since the Stevens fight. The guy kind of just kind of appears and then disappears. Well, he's taking on... They've set him up real nice in this spot. Bringing over Charles Jordan. Duho Choi is minus 300 favorite. Jordan plus 250. I mean... Jordan is being brought over to do a job here. The Korean Superboy losing to Cub Swanson in one of the greatest fights of all time. An absolute war, but we saw the deficiencies in his striking defense, of course. And then same thing with, uh, with Jeremy Stevens, where it's Jeremy Stevens hits hard. And if you have holes in your striking defense, that's a problem. So some people may be like, all right, two years off, coming back. You know, Jordan didn't look horrible in his UFC debut. Why don't we, you know, we, we can fade this kid who looked like he had tons of talent. I kind of lent, tend to think, like, he took tears off. I'm sure there was injuries and stuff along the way here, but he's probably improved a whole bunch. Hopefully he's improved a whole bunch during that time. Minus 300 is a big price to be laying if you, you know, with, with that many question marks, but... I mean, Duho Choi does look like he's got all of the skills except for that striking defense. Hopefully he's, you know, cleaned that up in his game a little bit. And I see him rolling through Charles Jordan here. What about you? He should roll. He should roll even if he hasn't made any improvements. And I do expect improvements as well. I think he's 28 now, right? He's starting. He's not quite the Korean Superman but he's not necessarily the Korean super boy anymore. I mean, he's kind of in that transition here. At Wonder 28. Boy is like 
what, 40 years old now. He refers (laughs) to himself as Wonder Boy, so. Very strange, very strange. Someone said the other day that, like, Wonder Boy's the kind of guy to clap after your plane lands. I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) fuck, he totally (laughs) is. Like, what the hell? Anyways, all jokes aside, yeah, you got a good fight here. If he has made the improvements, 26 to 28, fully expect them. He's not too banged up. But if he hasn't, he's still got the skill set to beat Charles Jordan. He's a cleaner striker. No disrespect to Charles Jordan's striking game because he's a decent striker himself. But he's not particularly technical and clean and Korean Superboy, like, that's his one thing. He's got, like, laser precision. Jordan leaves big gaps in his striking defense himself. So do I think Korean Superboy outstrikes him? Yes. Here's the one thing that I don't think many people are discussing or will discuss that I think will be a huge factor is that Jordan can't stop a takedown for fucking shit. Cannot. And it's always been like that. Mm-hmm. He fought TJ Laramie in, in TKO, and it's just like, it's a joke. Like, he can't take down nothing. And TJ Laramie, mostly known as a kickboxer himself. And then in his fight with Des Green, yes, it's at 155. Should he have been fighting at 155 pounds in the UFC? No. Should he have been fighting at 155 pounds to begin with? No. Is he going to be better suited in this fight at 145 pounds? Yes. But Des Green goes five for five on takedowns, man. Like, it's just, but if he wants the takedown, he gets it. Now, Duho Choi doesn't appear to have much of a takedown game himself, but he does. Just you haven't really seen in all these fights that become these drag-out striking wars. He hasn't really had to rely on it, but he's got a good outside trip. He's good at peeling guys off the cage, and I could fully see him outstriking Jordan long enough to take him down. Now, again, something that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is you talk about you know his, his striking deficiencies, and he's getting hit a lot. I almost think it's a bit of a cardio issue. Like When you look at his initial run in the UFC, he knocks out Juan Manuel Puig in like 18 seconds. It's a first-round finish. Everybody knocked yeah. out Juan Manuel Puig. Now, Sam Cecilia's a tough enough guy, but he hasn't got a great chin, and he knocks out Sam Cecilia in the first round. And then Tiago Tavares, he gets taken down twice early in that fight, but the kid's got a good ground game, man. Let me tell you, that's why I think wrestling will be a part of this one. Doesn't want to get hit anymore. He's going to go to his ground game, I think. But the Tiago Tavares fight, like, once he gets stood up, he crumples him in his spot, mm-hmm. like, dirty, dirty. Those are all first-round finishes. The next two fight are Cub Swanson, third round. The wheels, he wins the first round. The wheels fall off after that. The Jeremy Stevens fight, he wins the first round. The mm-hmm. wheels fall off to that. The difference is like Cub Swanson and Jeremy Stevens are not Charles Jordan. They no. are just way leagues above. So if the wheels fall off and he's up two and he's in Korea and he doesn't get finished, and like why is Jordan gonna have some type of magical power that, you know, like the the guy we went, haven't seen before. Yeah, like I don't know. It's a fight again. Yeah, could he catch something? Could he land some flying knee? Could he land a kick? Yeah. And and the kid's got a great gas tank. That's his only that's his only path to victory. He's outgunned here. He's got He's given up the striking advantage. He's given up the wrestling advantage. He's giving up the grappling advantage. But he's got a hell of a card. He's got a hell of a gas tank on him. And if he can stretch this into later rounds, maybe he can make it interesting. But I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not willing to back that even at 250. So Duho Choi minus 300. I think that's a play. And if I was gonna, yeah, we'll get to it at the end of the show. But I, I think I think it's worthy of throwing on some parlays and, and being half what comfortable with. All right, we got uh, Mike Rodriguez taking on Dung, uh, Da Ung Jung. Mike Rodriguez, minus 130 favor. Daong Jung, plus 110. Any any hot leans here? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike Rodriguez. Sorry, Padman's got the iPad, so I'm rolling on my phone just to make sure I'm getting names and shit right. But yeah, Dunyan Ung, just not impressive at all. He's only 26 years old still. Local Korean fighter, obviously. Comes to the UFC, makes his debut against that uh, Kadis Abragamov, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm rolling on Kadis Abragamov. He's a former M1 champ. I like Abragamov. Abragamov defeated himself. That was Homer Simpson versus Boxcar Joe. Oh, like, yeah, he was laying he a beating on him. Dude, he threw everything. You know the expression is everything but the kitchen sink? No, no, he threw that as well, twice. And just 
all all Dung Young Jung had to do was stand up, and that's what he did. He didn't really show all that much. His wrestling, he shot no takedowns. He's able to stuff a takedown here and there. His striking, it mostly relied on putting your hands up and just avoiding a Bragamov's flurry. Bragamov didn't even go to the body. Like, really, all he had to do was shell up, which he did. And then late in the third round, when a Bragamov was bleeding and tired and just done in, he throws on that standing guillotine choke. I don't think none of that's going to be afforded here against Mike Rodriguez. Rodriguez's problem here is that being six foot four and he has a he has an eighty-two and a half inch reach. Like it's just a freakish long reach. The guy is a freak athlete. Won his contender series show by flying knockout, and then so far in the UFC, it's been mixed results. His fight with Adam Milstead, striking clinic. His other two fights. He looks good when it's standing, but as soon as you rush this guy and put him up against the cage, you just have your way. His last fight, especially against Allen, just not a great showing in terms of he was getting out-wrestled. But, man, the guy has pockets of brilliance with his striking. And that's going to be the big difference here because Doug Ung Jung has shown no ability to actually take the fight to the ground. Yep. So Rodriguez probably just stays on the outside, uses his kicks, got nasty kicks, got He's nasty straight long. punches. Fucking guy is really long for the weight class. That is your detriment against wrestlers. This isn't a wrestler. Yep. Minus 130 looks like a great price tag. And yeah, am I super confident in it? No. There, we are in Korea, local Korean fighter who's known for great durability and being able to push a pace and take this into deeper waters. He's going to pose threats, but Rodriguez has got the tools. Rodriguez should get a win. A minus 130, I, I don't mind it overly. And Mark Andre Barrio taking on Jung Yong Park. Barrio, minus 125 favorite. Park is plus 105. Barrio coming off of two straight losses. But you know what? He's, he's hung around with guys that are UFC caliber guys. Mark um, Andrew Sanchez, a lot of people thought that, that he won that fight against uh, Sanchez. That was, that was the one in Ottawa, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely down two because of the wrestling. He just yeah. held him. And in the third round, but he third rallied. Round, he started oh. ba- bombing on him. And, and, and Sanchez has been chinny in the past, was able to hold on. But he was like, he was basically pulling guard by the end. Like, it yeah, was, he was just trying to survive the last couple minutes. If that fight could have won another couple minutes, he probably finishes Andrew Sanchez. And yeah, then he loses enough. by split decision to Christoph Jocko. Who, a ranked contender. Yeah. Who's been around for for a long time? Pretty well rounded, all around guy. So you know, it's two losses. It doesn't look great, but it's not too bad. Jung Young Park getting anaconda choked by Anthony Hernandez. You can't put money on a guy like this in the UFC. Like Anthony Hernandez doesn't belong at this level either. Like he's been pretty disappointing as far as I'm considered. Um, uh, it's hard for me to not think that Barrio gets the uh, the first win of his UFC career in this spot. I don't think very highly of Park. What about you? Okay, so I agree on a lot of those same points. Is that like Barrio should win this fight? Barrio has fought in the better level of opposition, and he's hung with a better lo- level of opposition. Whereas Junyun Park. The fight with Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, like, man, he got taken down four or five times in the first round. He got right back up every time, but it was just like, it's right there for you. So what's your fall back on? Do you have striking? No, this guy's a cookie cutter, right? Mm-hmm. And when when I look at the fight prior, right, with Da Ong Jung, Da Ong Jung's a cookie cutter too. So how do you beat a cookie cutter? you got to have some X factor that you're going to go with. Reich Rodriguez has that X factor that he's a far superior striker with his length, should be able to stay on the outside and win it. Barrio himself, and I hate to say this, he's my boy, he's from Quebec, he's a French guy, c'est la vie. He's a cookie cutter as well, you know, mm-hmm. but he's really rugged. And is that ruggedness going to be enough to win you a decision here? He's probably going to go to the decision in the sense that Barrio, he's a grinder of sorts. He's not a grinder with his wrestling. He just wears on you, holds you up against the cage, batters you. At range, he takes your best punch. He keeps coming forward. He tries to double up on you. Is he clean with his punches? No. Does he have a tremendous amount of power? No. But he can hurt you. He keeps you honest. And he's just always working. He's always working. Sanchez, way better wrestling. 
He held up Burial against the cage like nothing. Jotko, when he wanted to control him up against the cage, he did it like nothing. I, I don't see that here in Jung Young Park. I mean, he gave up a lot of grappling disadvantages in his last fight against Hernandez. He's probably going to be giving up a grappling disadvantage here. But Barrios doesn't get the ring IQ to be like, I'm going to out-wrestle him. Yeah. They're going to get into a slang and bang. If they do get into a slang and bang, it's going to be a close fight. If it is a close fight, I'm not fully confident that we're going to get it on the judges' scorecard. So where I'm saying is that... Well, we are in Korea. No, I know. And, and, and now coming at all the dogs here, Edgar's so far, actually, he's, he's, he's the dog with a chance if you're looking at them. I, I'm not feeling old Vulcan, although I can see you make that argument for him. I don't like Charles. I don't like Dong Jung. Jung. Between Rodriguez and Barrio, they're both, one's wine to 30, one, 125. I don't see both of these North American fighters coming out of here, both with the win. One of them is going to get a close decision loss. One of them is going to get squeaked on. Somebody's going to get beef bulagied, is yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, but I have no, faith to, tell, I have no faith to tell you that that's going to be our first dog play of the night, so I'm going to hit a fat pass on that one, mm -hmm. and that'll be the first pass of the night. We got uh, Mr. Perfect, Kyung Ho Kang, taking on Ping Wan Lu. Kyung Ho Kang, minus 255, Lu, plus 215. This line just seems a little bit wide. I like your boy, Mr. Mr. Perfect. I think he can go to the wrestling, and when he goes to the wrestling, he can really dominate. The guy's super solid uh, from that respect. Don't be fooled by his 16-8 and eight record. The guy's pretty solid. Super uh, he's, solid. I know that he's, you know, he's ranked on Tapology as being the 35th ranked bantamweight worldwide. Like, I think that's probably closer to, like, 20. Like, the guy, the guy can hang with the top 20, I think. On a good night, yeah. On a good night. Um, but, yeah, minus 255, like, it's, uh, that's a little bit too much to be adding to the parlays. I got to be really, 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 really convinced that he's going to win uh, to be adding him in. I'm sure the degenerate in me will have him on a few long shots, but um, I, I won't be hammering this line, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, I, and I thought the same thing. Like, man, this guy is my boy, and this guy has been good to me in the past and made me money, but very few times other than the Toruto Ishihara fight do you watch him and just, like, rub your hands together and count the money before you get it. Like, he's in close fights, oh, yeah. man. He's got significant grappling advantage. Not grappling, wrestling. The guy's very, very strong. He's got clean technique. He can get guys to the ground. Once he's on the ground, if he takes your back, oh, man, body triangle, mad control, good ground and pound, keeps going. His cardio seems to check out. However, he does fall apart late in third rounds. He wins the early portions of fights, and it's whether he puts you away or can go up and survive. But, yeah, I mean, like, there are a couple issues. There's a, there's a couple times where you don't love it. When you see 255, it scares you. But then looking at Pung Yu Lim, it's like, this is the perfect opponent for my boy, Mr. Perfect. Like, it's the perfect, perfect opponent. Pung Yu Lu has done absolutely nothing in terms of his UFC tenure so far. He was an unranked Chinese fighter before coming to the UFC. Makes his debut against Damian Stasiak, dog against Damian Stasiak. And you know what? To his credit, that's probably his career victory right there is beating Stasiak, who's long since been cut from the UFC, can't hang. It's that second fight against Martin Day. Now, Martin Day, that fight happened last year, 2018. Most people, if I told you, do you know who Martin Day is? And they're fight fans. Wouldn't be able to tell you this guy fought in the UFC. Like, this is... Dana White contender show level of fighting. This is not UFC caliber. He squeaks out a split decision against Martin Day. And in the first two rounds, good argument that Day could have won the first two rounds, definitely won the second. But he takes him down and he controls him. And the fuck he wants. He takes him down and he controls him. Then his fight against Jonathan Martinez, Martinez didn't even need to take him down. He just beat the shit out of him standing. Yep. So like, this guy can't strike. This guy can't wrestle. He doesn't have a ton of pass to victory here. Stasiak's thing is he's a black belt, but he also can't wrestle or strike. So that fight, I can see him winning that because it's like low-level striking affair. But in this particular matchup against Kyung Ho Kang, he's giving up the striking advantage. 
But Kang should be smart enough to just realize he has a significant grappling wrestling advantage, take him down, dominate him, could submit him, could choke him out, could pound him out. But that's where the mad advantage lies, and that's why he's a big favorite. 255 isn't 300, you know what I mean? Like, Duho Choi's 300, mm -hmm. and this guy seems like there's a way cleaner path to victory. Duho Choi's... Yeah, take him, take him down, control the action. That's a lot. Of, like, Duho Choi's going to have to stand and bang, or usually yeah, will stand yeah. and bang and in you, those and situations. And you know how it is, man. When you're watching your fight and you're like, hey, I got money on this. Guy, want, guy on top punching downwards? Yeah. Or striking affair where Duho Choi's starting to get tired because he's landed his best shots and Charles Jordan's taken them. Yeah. That's what you don't love. So you're getting better 45-point difference here. For and, a guy who has shown in the past, like, we're, we're, you were talking earlier about Duho Choi where... Hopefully he goes to the wrestling. We know Mr. Perfect's going to go to the wrestling. That's what he does that's every his, single that's fight. That's his key. That's where he's. There's nothing success. better than yeah. When you when you've got money on somebody and they get that takedown, they've got top control. You're like, I'm winning right now. And and, and Pingyu Lu has spent time at Team Alpha Male, but this is one of those cases where you can't just be like, oh, Chinese guy went to Alpha Male. He's going to shore up his wrestling defense. Didn't help him against Martin Day and mm -hmm. against Jonathan Martinez. Not like he just got caught by that knee and knocked down in the third round. He put up a terrible, abysmal performance in Sacramento and was down two rounds heading into the third regardless. So the improvements haven't been made. And, I, you know, there's so many fights, so many names, but Cody Stamen, arguable robbery against, who's the other Alpha Male kid? He's like a 20-year-old prospect just draw with Cody oh, Stamen. Song Yudong. Song Dong, yeah, yeah, Song Dong. Same thing there. We assume that the wrestling improvements are being made, and they are being made. But you, you, you bite off a little too much, and, and, and in this case, it's like, fuck, Cody Stamen knows how to wrestle. He's a good grappler. It's like, shit, you see, you see where it's, you're being exposed. That's what we're going to see here, is yeah. that he's just as good as Cody Stamen in, the, in his ability to get the fight to the ground, not as good of a, a clean grappler. But if he just does that rinse and repeat for two rounds, he's going to get the decision in Korea. So, yeah, Mr. Perfect 255, do not mind that. We got uh, Cyril Gagne taking on Tanner Bozer. Man, they're sending a lot of Canadians... Over here to just, just feeding them to the wolves. They're the two eh? biggest dogs. <laughs> Cyril Gagne is the biggest favorite on the well, card. Well, then Barrio's got even money. Minus 700 favorite Tanner Bozer plus 500. I just don't see how Bozer, like Bozer's strategy is a lot of leg kicks and keeping distance and all of these types of things against uh, an absolute mutant like Cyril Gagne, who's really good. Striking, grappling has improved mightily as well. Everything that Bozer does, I just don't understand how he utilizes that game plan and pulls it off against Cyril Gagne. Minus 700, the price is super high, but, I mean, we've been on the Gane train since he made his debut two fights ago. This guy looks like the real deal, Holyfield. He trains with Francis Ngannou. Um, obviously, he's doing some work with uh, Volkan Ozdemir. Like, they've got some guys coming into that French camp. It's getting a little bit more recognized. Hells yeah. That's a good team they got going I, on. It's a minus 700, but I just, the way that Bozer wins fights, it's not going to work here. He's giving up a lot of speed, power, pretty much everything that you look for in a heavyweight fight. So, Gagne rolls, rolls again. Um, I want to see this guy take on some guys in the top 10 because I think he's already ready for that. Yeah, yeah. The question shouldn't be, is Gagne going to win? Hard to make an argument otherwise. Is this Gagne going to finish? Because then maybe you can get some additional value on a, on a yeah, Gagne by decision or a it, you know, fight goes the distance, whatever the case may be. But yeah, Bozer, 
Bozer's got a good game for what heavyweight presents to you. It's a lot of guys that are very slow and not very mobile and don't yeah. have great ca- gas tanks. And the wrestling level's not very high. So even though he's not some great wrestler, he just stays to the outside. He's a karate black belt. He kicks away. He maintains his distance. He's a decision machine. Yep. But he's also very durable, right? So being that, Gagne's got all the... Deven- he's a better striker. He's a better wrestler. He's a better grappler. Even though he's not as experienced in MMA, because of his Muay Thai career, he's had way more professional fights... Like, yeah, he should be fine here. It's just a, it's a, it's a case of is he going to track him down and knock him out? In MMA, he finds these guys. He knocks them out. His last couple of fights, he's been able to rely on his grappling a little bit, and he's submitting these guys. But Bozer's not really known for getting submitted, and, yeah, he got knocked out by Tim Hag one time in, like, seven seconds. Rest mm. in peace, Tim Hag. Out, yep. Outside of that, dude, I mean, the guy spent, like, two, three years in Russia fighting decent Russian heavyweights and living to tell the tale. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I got Gagne, no doubt. He'll be on parlays, no doubt. Do you like inside the distance or by decision? By decision, I'm, I'm seeing plus towards, 305. That's what I'm leaning towards, if we're being honest here, is that like Bozer's smart enough to realize, like, I'm not going to fully engage this guy in the pocket. I'm going to maintain my distance. And Gagne's going to realize quickly, I think, I'm winning these exchanges. This guy keeps running away. I'm comfortably ahead on the scorecards. Yep. Why chase it, you know? Another good thing I mean, about the same made factory is they're not going to push it, you know? They're smart. They got a good ring IQ. Yeah, we've seen it with Ngannou for ages. We would, always, we would always say everyone. Everyone like, oh, he's going to get the first round finish. It's like, let it happen. Let it happen. He's in always, yeah, Frankie, Frankie murder. It's like, unless you want to just, if you just want to throw down, he will. But he is. You come at him, yeah. But Bozer's not going to come at this guy, no, right? So that's the difference. And we've seen it, yeah, with Ngannou so many times where it's just like, the guy, we, would, we always say he plays with his food. He takes his time. He... He waits for the perfect moment to kind of set itself up. I see a lot of the same in also, Cyril Gagne. Yeah, also, Gagne is a murderous you know, striker and all these different things, but we we got to keep in mind here that he's 239. I don't think he has he's Ngannou power. He's 239, and Gagne is 255. Like, they're, they're large men, but, like, one's a lot larger and known strictly for his power punching. This guy's known for being light, agile. He's got better grappling striker. than Frankie. Yeah, better grappling, and potentially, I would think, better gas tank, right? The last point, and then we can move on, is that if I'm, if I'm, uh, sorry, if I'm Fernand Lopez at MMA Factory in France, right, they're thinking the same thing we're thinking, eh? We want to see him fight somebody good. Yeah. This guy's probably realizes, even though my kid's 5-0 and here, they're going to try to push him along here. UFC, look what they did to Hardy. They gave him a couple lo- softball matchups, and then all of a sudden you're fighting a headliner in Russia. You're fighting ranked contenders. Like, shit, shit gets popping pretty quick here. This might be the last time he's going to go off as a 7-1 favorite over somebody. If he's comfortably going in there, why get the first-round finish? Why try to put this guy away as quick as possible? Get yes. round time. Yep. Go out there and get your round time. And if he goes that route, Bozer's going to survive. And if Bozer's going to survive, did you say plus 305? Plus 305, <laughs> decision. He's minus 185 inside the distance. And honestly, Is there a pl- over a he- one and a half? It's, a, heavy, a, it's half? a heavyweight flight. Let me, let me look at it again. What did it open up as? Because it probably hasn't been open for very, very long. Gane by decision opened at 295. It's getting bigger. Man, it's a heavyweight fight. I don't think you should wait until the last possible moment yeah. to bet that prop because people like betting heavyweights inside the distance. People never bet. Uh, that that number will get bigger. Plus, when you and see like, oh, it's yeah, a yeah, three yeah, to yeah. one punt. So like when you see seven to one, this is any yeah. sport. When you see seven to one, it's a football game. Seven to one, it's a hockey game. You think automatically assumption it's gonna be a drubbing. Drubbins don't go the distance. But this is a case where it's like, yeah, he is a seven to one favorite, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're gonna give you decent decision proper over one and a half, I'm I'm, I'm gonna look that route for sure. We got uh, Sing Wu Choi taking on Suman Mokhtarian. Choi, 
minus 265. Mokhtarian, plus 225. I'm sure it's safe to say. I know you think against Mokhtarian. Never, ever bet a Mokhtarian. <laughs> a Mokhtarian. That's what, that's, what that's what I actually call them. These guys are awful. No, they have that other, what is it, Nadia Kasim. Yeah. Everybody from that gym is that's tra- that's his like fiance. Yeah, yeah. Suman. Everybody from this gym is terrible. Suman, who's the I other mean, guy? I mean, Suman uh, got a tough break Gorgiev, last time. Alex, they, they sent him in there against Alex Sadiq Yosef, and it, that was like the most like most predictable result that we had seen in like 2019. Like you knew, took some shots, man, because he yeah. was he was protesting the stoppage. It was like, what are you doing, yeah, man? No, this guy, was... you should be sending this guy a Christmas card. Yeah, that referee saved his life because <laughs> like course. he was just gonna. It was he was just all. It was potentially a little bit early, but it's like every punch. I don't was see flush. how this ends any differently than Sadiq Yosef by dis, uh, by thirty by more knockout. punches. Yeah. Now this is a much more winnable fight, I suppose, for Mukhtarian, but. I mean, I'm not going to touch it. It's probably a pass unless you talk me off the ledge otherwise. No, I'm going to hit fat, like a hard pass as well. Anytime we can fade Suman, we're in. Anytime we can fade any of the Mokhtarians, we're in. Yeah, but this guy's not great. Yeah, he's not He's not great. In 225, 265, like, that's, a, that's a wide margin here. I'd like the 225 on Mokhtarian, but I ain't going to bet Mokhtarian. And whereas, yeah, man, he's going all the way to Korea to get his ass kicked. He's from Australia. Like, that isn't all that far of a distance, comparatively speaking to some of these other fighters on the card. So... I would have to say that uh, we've seen nothing. Suma's known for his striking, right? Neither guy can really grapple. Both guys are, I can't say. Essentially what happened was they just, they fought a bunch of low-level guys in Australia, right? They're part of Australian top team, which despite sounding like American top team or Canadian top team or Brazilian top team is not a recognized one of the top teams. They've just fought absolute cans. That got them to the UFC. Neither one of them have haven't even a glimpse of success in the UFC. You, you forget with Mokhtarian as well. Not only did Sodiq Youssef absolutely rearrange him um, in his UFC debut, but he was on the ultimate fighter. He couldn't even get past that. Couldn't even get through one fight through that. Mm-hmm. And he, again, he's known for his striking, but so does Nadia Kasim. And then when shit goes down, it's like they have no technique. They've got no ability to keep them off him. The issue is that they've given him Sung Mu Choi. Contractually, they're probably obligated to give Sung Woo Choi a fight. There's really nobody on the roster that's going to be ultra competitive against this guy. But we got Sumo Mactarian, and he's from Australia, so it's not a super long distance to shuttle him in from. Why not go with that? Sung Woo Choi, he's 0 2 in the UFC. Made his debut against uh, Mavzari Vlov. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a tough matchup. Yeah, goddamn right it is. And, and he went 15 minutes, but Mavzari Vlov's not really a finisher. He's a decision so. machine. Yeah, not really super impressed with that. And then the Gavin Tucker fight, I gave him some credit. Tucker's been off a long time. He's damaged goods. He's got some shaky confidence. Maybe this kid can pull out that one. He just, it, again, again, and I can't call all the Korean fighters cookie cutters, but, like, there's no X factor with this guy. His striking is very mediocre. His wrestling is very mediocre. His gas tank's okay. He can take a decent punch. I think that they're going to get into striking exchanges. Wow. Well, it's a fight. Obviously, they're going to. The way I see it playing out is that it'll largely play out on its feet. Only this guy can take the punch and Mukhtarian will fall apart. Mukhtarian's going to land early. Maybe this is a live bet scenario where if this guy actually wins around, you can try to get a better price on Sung Woo Choi to eventually take a two and three. But I do see it probably going either late stoppage for Choi or it goes the three rounds and he's going to pick up a decision being that it's in his hometown. They're not going to care for the theatrics from Mukhtarian. So this is the hardest of the hard passes because it's not even like tempting because of a good price. It what appears to be could be potentially a 50-50 fight. That ain't priced that right. And it's one of the 50-50 fights that you don't just automatically take the dog because it's a Mokhtarian, right? So you're going to probably just hit a pass on this one and move on. Just never bet a Mokhtarian. No, why, 
Never, or, any, or anybody associated with them. Nobody Alex, associated with that gym. Alex, don't bet them because like they they don't belong at this level. Remember that level. Alex Gordiev? He fought uh, Ishmagulov. It was just like, what is this guy doing? Like, he was just land. What was his name again? Sorry? Alex Gordiev. Yes. And he fought Ishmagulov. Gorgies. Yeah, Gorgies. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He fought. Uh, he fought Ishmagulov, and it was like, he's got not. He was so happy that he made it the decision. But again, Ishmagulov. I mean, they, not a finisher. The entire gym gets brought in to lose. Like that's the UFC must know. Sometimes they're looking, when they're, they're in Australia, the maybe they'll them. get them a fight that's like borderline winnable, and they still lose. So. Never a Mokhtarian. Never, ever, ever a Mokhtarian. We got Omar Morales taking on Dun Young Ma. Uh, not that Dun Young. I hate how he's not Dun Young Kim anymore. He should be Dun Young Kim. Especially but with not the other one being apparently gone. Take the name back, uh, Maestro. Vanished. Yeah, Maestro, Maestro is uh, plus Ma. 165 dog. Omar Morales is minus 190. I worry about my boy, Dun Young Ma. Um, that Marco Polo Reyes fight. I mean, how can you really blame him? One of the best fights of all time. One of the greatest fights of all time. That just took so much out of this guy. Never been the same. Um, never been the same. He could. Uh, I don't. I wonder if he can maybe like lean on his uh, his judo background here. Maybe get some like hip takedowns, that type of thing. But uh, this guy usually just ends up just trading in the pocket, and I think Omar Morales has more power than him. Probably be able to find a finish. I'm not entirely sold on him. Obviously, just coming off of one contender series win and spent some time in Bellator as well. But this guy's a power puncher. That's how he usually wins fights. And I think the durability, I know he got finished in round three against Marco Polo Reyes, but the durability really suffered after that day. He was never the same He guy. actually won three fights over low-level guys, and then it, beca- it became apparent that when he got hit, it was like, oh, yeah. You Polo Reyes hit you with gigantic bombs, square in the chin. Why is it that like these short shots are stumbling you? But it's like, oh shit! Like that life changing experience was one hundred percent. It was, 100% like, it it was, was the, so violent, dude. It was the very first fight on what ended up being, in my opinion, the yeah, greatest pay per view. Michael I've ever Bisping seen knocked out Benton Luke Rockhold, which is like such a momentous event nobody saw it coming. This fight or Dong Yong Ma versus. The uh, Marco Polo Reyes ended up being fight of the night when being the first fight on like the early, L- Lawler, early Lawler versus Rory. Most people didn't even watch the fight, and it was just like, oh, shit. They fit it on the broadcast, yeah. I think. They were like, okay, this shit's nuts. We got to get it up. But absurd I watched it amount twice, of damage. So. Neither one of those guys has ever been the same since that night. No, no. That was like uh, Arturo Gotti, Mickey Ward. Like yeah. non-ranked contenders not have any placement in the division that put on a historical showing. You know, at least at least Forrest Griffin stuff and Bonner wasn't even as epic as this in hindsight when you look back. But at least it's like, yeah, one guy went on to win a world title and the other guy went on to have a decent career in his own right. Like this was two guys, right place, right time, huge moment. The thing is, yeah, dude, like you said, his, his chin's been shattered since then. And we keep making, uh, not we, I've been picking against him, but but you can hear the excuses being like, ah, may, maybe he's going to be able to outgun this guy. Maybe he's going to get into a straight It's gone, dude. The Devontae Smith fight, the excuse there, even though he got KO'd in the first round, is like... Devontae Smith. Yeah. Guy hit so unbelievably hard. The Scott Holtzman fight is where you're like, he can't take the damage anymore. And he anymore. doesn't have the striking defense to stop taking the damage, too. He just, his chin's up. He's just eating it. Right. So now you go back to, like, well, maybe he can use his judo. The thing is, is that, like, when does he ever use his judo? His judo is only something that's on paper. used a couple times. Yeah, it's like, what, Brandon O'Reilly? was yeah, that, Or I Damian Brown? Yeah, it was, it was Brandon O'Reilly. Yeah. 
yeah, he uses judo once in a while, but this is like MMA high level 2019. Uh, It's more advanced. And Omar Morales, now listen, I don't want to get too high on him because at minus 190, it's too good to be true. So something's off. He's 34 years old, Mm -hmm. and yet he's making his UFC debut and has only got eight professional fights. And he's a deadly power puncher. So if Dunyoung Ma, for chin, was to for whatever reason hold up, I, I, I'm not certain that Morales is going to be able to keep this going in rounds two and three. Now, against Harvey Park on the contender series, like, dude, that guy was the LFA champ, and he blitzed him in the second round. Yeah. Fuck. This guy's got some legitimate power. He's a Henry Hoof guy. There's no doubt that he's going to touch Dong Young Ma's chin at some point. And whereas the Polo Reyes fight, he could take it. Now, he can't take it. So you're going to go Morales. Again, this is a massive trap because I want to tell you, load up at 190, great play. 8,800 when we get to DraftKings, like, what up? But it's like, if you load Knock up too much, from DraftKings he's 34. He might not have a good gas tank. Uh, he's in Korea. He's traveled all this way. I could talk myself out of it, even though it looks, it looks, it might be that apple pie shit. You have to remember, so you. if he's, he trains at Hard Knocks 365, right? Yeah. I don't know when he heads over there. Ideally, he's already. Let's hope that he's already over in Korea right now. I'm sure he is. I, they're all there now, but yeah. apparently there's no altitude, so a lot of guys did went late. Yeah, no, not zombie. even that. I'm just saying that this card goes off at 2 a.m. Well, so it's like think about how messed up. Like when these guys fight, it'll probably be like four o'clock in the morning our time. And he's from Florida, same time time as us. So it's like 4 a.m. Try waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning and doing anything. Yeah. I'm sure there's some, like, some like blue-collar workers out there just being, like, all Paul Shags, super soft. Yeah, some guys I are I wake grinders. up at 4 a.m. every yes. day. It's just like, yes. thank God I don't have yes. to do that. Yeah, but those guys get tired early. By, like, 2 or 3 o'clock, it's like, holy shit, man, I'm zapped out. It's like, this guy's going to, even if he goes over there and is mad jet-lagged, and has and is sick because of the travel and the different culture and like when you go to a different country a different continent you typically get sick which is why they want you to go early get sick three weeks out heal be good to go all of those things could affect the guy theoretically if they all theoretically affect him he'll still have a good first round yeah it's that he'll burn out after the first round he needs to knock him out within the first seven minutes now he has been decision, and he got a second-round knockout in that contender series fight his last time out. So I'm only speculating he'll gas that. I'm only speculating that the turbulence might mess with him. I, I, he, he, he could cruise. I, I want him to cruise because at minus 190, it seems like that should be— that's your too-good-to-be-true play of the week right mm-hmm. here. We get one every week. They were like 0-6 for a while, but you get two in a row. So I'm worried that the Rackets one is uh, a little too bit good too to be good to be true as well. I'm, I'm nervous. At least Uzdemir is a I'm going to end up having money on it, but I am a little bit nervous that it just seems too easy. Um, Alexandre Pantoja, minus 230 favor, taking on your boy, Matt Schnell. I feel like you bet on Matt Schnell pretty much every single time. Uh, do you have a hard lean in this one? Yeah, Matt Schnell has been fighting quite a low level of opposition and is able to look good Finally against get it. some wins. Yeah, you know what? He can strike and he can grapple. We've seen that his last two fights with the submission game, the submission win over Lewis Smolka in particular. It's like, yeah, fuck, man. He's good off his back. But good off your back's not going to do you anything against Pantoja. You're going to no. submit him off your back? Just went three rounds with Formica. 
You're not submitting him off your back. He's a black belt. If he takes you down, you're in trouble because he's going to be on top of you. He's got decent top control. Okay, now let's say it's a striking battle. Schnell's faster than Pantoja, but Pantoja can take a great punch. I mean, he went three rounds with uh, Figueredo, right, in his last fight. So yep. It's like, okay, so we know that he, he can grapple with the good grapplers. He can strike with the good strikers. He lost both of those fights. We kind of, and he's still young-ish, but I think we've realized where he's at. But it's like he's still got skills. He's still top, got top fifteen range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can fight a guy like Dustin Ortiz, and it's a competitive fight. You know, he's taking him down. He's taking his back. He's some, some, he's looking for submissions. Like he's he's in against high level of opposition. Now we're gonna downgrade him a level of opposition against Matt Schnell. Schnell, yeah, yeah. He's he's wiped out that low level of flyweight, and now we're only gonna keep the elite level guys around. So he needs to come out here and get a win over Pantoja. But again, he's not gonna have the wrestling, nor does he want to take Pantoja down. Whereas Pantoja could take him down and beat him on top. Pantoja could submit him. I don't see him catching him in something lucky. And if this is just a striking match, yes, Schnell's faster. Yes, Schnell will land some punches. But I don't think he's got the chin to go out there. Hector Sandoval caught him in October. Font, I'll give you a pass there, kid. No big deal there. Rob Font's Rob Font. But Hector Sandoval, 25, catches him, knocks him out. First, like, minute of the fight. I can't get behind him being in a three-round striking match. The last couple wins for him have been nice because he's been getting it over quickly. Getting it over quickly with the submissions. When the fights draw out, we have seen him go to decision. It's like there's 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 lax, lapses in your game, and that's where Pantoja should shine through. Yep. So Pantoja 230, I mean, yeah, listen, he's the favorite. He seems like a comfortable favorite. I wouldn't like him as far as the draft. Ah, maybe he could get that finish, but 91's a heavy price tag. Mm-hmm. But for 230, that's as much as I'd be willing to pay for him. Um, but I fully recognize that, that that's a fair fair price tag. It's your boy, uh, Ronnie Bertello's taking on Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, Habib's cousin. I, I, is it? Is it, though? Like, like I don't Habib know. Habib has, like, 37 cousins. Everybody, He's related to him Everybody somehow, who grew but up I don't in his know. hometown and trained how. at the same gym, like, they basically all referred to. His last name's Nurmagomedov. Yeah, but... He's this... related in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, yeah. Well, let's not get into the details. Everybody's, everyone's, we, we've ran down this uh, this path before. Either way. It's pretty much a straight pick. Um, uh, Barcello's minus 115, Nurmagomedov minus 105. Where are you going here? Okay, so I got announced. I got scrapped. I was happy with that because Rowney, that's my boy, I wasn't super high up on the matchup. Gets rebooked. Son of a bitch. Looks like we're actually going to go through it this time. But this is going to be my dog play. Only it comes out, it's like it's not a dog play. He's actually a somewhat slight favorite. Pretty much even money. Uh smart man, wise man, hit a pass on this. I'm going to go Barcellos because, again, he's my boy. I'm a ride or die for him. But this guy does nothing wrong. If he wasn't 34 years old, he'd be a serious threat to eventually become a title contender. But, like, he can, he's wrestling, love it, on point, striking, good, good hooks, good power, cardio. Maybe that's one of his little low points. His submission game's good. He does everything right. There's nothing to not like about him. He is hittable. He wears damage, like he's not getting knocked out, but like he will swell up, he will bleed, he will kind of wear some of that damage, which is not aesthetically pleasing for the judges, I suppose. But it's like he's got it, right? Now we look at Saeed Nurmagomedov. If he is Khabib's cousin, and he is some type of Khabib prodigy, and he is using his wrestling, maybe he's a threat here, but he's not. He's a striker. He wants to strike. He likes to dazzle. He likes to throw spinning attacks. His last couple fights, yeah, it hasn't looked bad. But I go back to the Scoggins fight. Mix up the striking with the wrestling. Make this kid work. And that's what Rowney does. Rowney's going to strike with him long enough to set him up, try to wrestle a little bit. Now, Nurmagomedov had one fight at 125, which was his fight with Justin Scoggins. Other, other fights are all 135. Whereas Barcellos is like the former RFA 45-pound champ. He's yeah. a little bit bigger. He's a little bit thicker. He's a little bit sizable. Would I you think... be surprised to know that Barcellos is giving up three inches in the reach department? 
Yeah, but that's one of those situations like some guys have. I've seen another guy in this card. I mean, like Max Holloway versus Volkanovski on the weekend was, you know, Volkanovski was shockingly five inches shorter but had a reach advantage. Yeah, well, Max has got a slight little reach, and he's always been well, like that. Well, it's based on the frame, right? Well, it's like so 68 it's like and a half A thicker inches, frame, though. just like the, the, the shoulder width is so much, like, longer. So, like, Max has probably similar length arms to Volkanovski, but Volkanovski's so much wider that that's where he picks up the reach advantage. The the Volka and Uzdemir fight, he's like six foot, or he's, I think he's six, I think six foot. Like, he's not even, maybe six two. But anyways, he's not even like, like I was mentioning all those always fight, this guy's six four, this guy's six four. He's got a 77 inch reach. He has a massive reach for how, how his height. It's just punching upwards and punching downwards definitely changes it. Th- same thing with Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar has like a 72 inch reach, but he's only five foot six. It's a good reach. Only when you look at Frankie fights, he's always punching upwards, so it's like it's not as effective. Um, back to this fight, yeah, Barcellos has a short reach, but he's going to get in the pocket, hopefully stings this guy, and then takes him down. If he's getting takedowns and he's riding up top control, I think he gets the win. If it's a striking battle, he can have success. It's just I don't love... Uh, he's not slow, but Nurmagomedov seems to have a, a speed advantage and a kicking advantage. And what I don't want to see play out is him running around and just kicking Barcellos, intercepting him as around he's chasing him around. Avoid that. Make this an actual fight. Keep it in close quarters. I think he wins. But that's not a good price tag. You should pass. I'll play it. But I, I that's that. Nurmagomedov has good chance of winning this fight. You know fight. what they say. It's 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 a lean either way. I'm just going with Raoni because he's been good to me. I owe him another one. If Sambo was easy, they'd call it jiu-jitsu. This guy can do it all, though, man. He wrestled yeah, on, like, really the, the Brazilian national team. Like, again, 34 is like, fuck, his upside's not there. Whereas Saeed's young, he's going to be yeah, around. Yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing the, the end product for Rowney right now. But the yeah, end product's but pretty Saeed's got good. holes. A savvy veteran will beat him on his rise to the top, and this may be that spot. Miranda Granger takes on Amanda Lamas. Granger is minus 185 favorite. Lamas is plus 165. Anything here? Yeah, again, it should be a pass, but I don't have any dogs on this card, so we are going to go with Amanda Lamas or Limos or however it's going to be pronounced. But she's been on a two-year USADA ban, mm. and prior to that, got beat up by Leslie Smith. Is she so. married to like that Giacomo Lamas, who also has a USADA ban. Oh yeah, because yeah, and he was supposed to fight uh, is Tanner Bowser. This is his wife. <laughs> I don't know, but she's coming off a two-year ban. I wonder where. Yeah, so you know where she got the goods if that's the case. Yeah, she's the former Jungle Fight 135-pound champ. She doesn't look overly terrible. In fact, she's gonna have. I think should have a striking advantage here. The one thing that's kind of got me half hesitant is when you think about two-year USADA ban. You think, Jesus, man, that's a lot of ring rust to be coming back to. That's a lot of uh, inactivity to overcome. Whereas Granger's been active. Granger's a go-getter. Granger's been, you know, continuously competing. That's a huge advantage. But remember remember, uh, Amanda Rebus? Amanda Rebus had a three-year USADA bit. She didn't compete for three years. She comes back and fights Emily Whitmire. The whole narrative in that fight is that this girl hasn't fought in three years, and she's not allowed to use her juice anymore. She made a lot of improvements, and she smoked through Whitmire. She follows up that performance with probably her biggest win to date and now she, uh, over a Mackenzie Dern, and now she's got to fight with Paige Van Zandt. It's like the inactivity might not matter. A huge difference there, though, is that Amanda Rebus took between 23 and 26 off. That's where your improvements happen. Whereas we have Lemos here taking between 30 and 32 off. You could make a strong argument she's on the backslide. But Miranda Granger hasn't really done anything exceptionally. She trains out of a very small gym. Uh, she's one of the top fighters at said gym. And she's just got a basic 
fundamental set of skills. I mean, your striking is not very impressive. I think Lemos could take the advantage there. The one thing that I'm going to agree why Granger is going to have probably a good advantage here is that with Lemos being on that long like uh, layoff, her coming back, her going all the way to Korea, is that it probably will affect her gas tank in some way. And the Leslie Smith fight, she did not. Now Leslie Smith pushes a hell of a pace, but she gassed out and just allowed it to happen. And that would be the problem here, is that if Granger goes out there and pushes a pace on her, tires her out, breaks her confidence, that maybe she just puts her through the paces and, uh, and picks up the decision victory. But I'm not going to bet Granger, especially at 185. It's either a hard pass or a Lemos 165. And finally, we have Ryan Benoit taking on uh, Haile Alatang. Benoit minus 120 favorite. Alatang plus 100 who you got. I got to go with Ryan Benoit. Now, he's also dealing with a pretty long layoff, and that's something that, you know, you never love. You're never getting behind. But he's kind of... Ryan Benoit's very strange, man. I mean, he debuts in the UFC, and it's like there's some promise there. Like, I think his UFC debut, he fought... Josh Sampo. He fought he Josh Sampo, and Josh Sampo missed weight, right? And so that fight ends up being fight of the night. But Sampo's ineligible for fight of the night because he missed weight. So Benoit makes $100,000. Mm-hmm. He comes back from that fight, and he knocks out Sergio Pettis. I don't know if he got a bonus for that fight, but I'm going to assume the UFC might have given him something, right? Probably. So now you have, let's say, the neighborhood of, with your win bonuses and your sponsor money, like $160,000. And then he's just like, after that, it's like it's win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. I Dude, seen, literally, we go back to 2012 versus Joseph Sandoval, win. His whole career Follow in the Follow-up w- fight, lost to Anthony Burchek. Uh, Follow-up after that, win. That was MFC loss, that Burchek win, fight. Win, was in Alberta. Loss, win, loss, win. And then he had a grappling matchup. I don't know. <laughs> Do we count But that? if it counts, he's going to win this. But if it doesn't count, he's going to lose this. Yeah. That's the tough part the Anthony here, Anthony and trait from years back, anybody who's watched the show And the random Marcos, man. She's continuing the train. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I'm not going to count a grappling match at Kasai Super Series. So this means that maybe yeah, he's it's in a decision. He didn't get submitted or nothing, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know if he. This guy's a. T- it's really hard to know. Like super, he does what I'm seem getting to have at some skills. Like he's his massively inconsistent. Yeah, and, his and wrestling hasn't been bad. He does pack a punch for a guy. He, deb- in he this debuted. Weight class, he debuted in what? 2014. 2015. Yeah, in the UFC. Yeah, UFC debut is 2014. 2014, right? And he's 30 years old now. 2013. Right. But, like, Tw- right at the end of it is November. 2013. Yeah. Dude, he debuts in the UFC. He's 23 years old. Yeah. Now he's 30 years old. What the fuck has happened in between? Like, it's just, it's a run of a lot of inconsistency. When you do see him, the skills are there. This guy can strike. This guy's an okay submission game. Above all else is that people usually say he's not a great wrestler. But, like, yeah, man, he is an okay wrestler. He's actually little known to a lot of people. He's a three-time high school state wrestling champion in Texas. Didn't wrestle collegiately because he got into MMA. But, like, you'll see in his fights, he's not actively pursuing takedowns a lot. But he can scramble. Like, you try to take him down, he'll scramble and get back up. And here's the kicker here. That's literally Alatang's only key to success is he needs to get a hold of you and take you down. It's not that he can't strike. He's got a little bit of raw power. It's that he doesn't throw shit. He'll stand there and just allow it to happen. And Benoit, Benoit's very comfortable with that. He's very comfortable. He's got a speed advantage. He's just going to come in and out of the pocket, outpoint this guy, slowly put the paces to him. If Alatang tries to take him down, he's going to have the scramble ability to get back up or just flat out stuff the fight. Now listen, he's looked very lethargic in a couple performances. Two fights ago, I think he fought Freddy Serrano. He got the win. Uh, it was a close enough fight. But you got to realize that Freddy Serrano wrestled in the Olympics. Like, that guy was a legitimate wrestler. He was more worried about his takedowns, which, by the way, he did a great job of stuffing and eventually doing enough to outstrike him and get the victory. That's what I see here. He's fighting a lesser wrestler who's, by the way, Freddy Serrano is like Yoel Romero. He's a freak athlete. Yep. This guy's not. He says he's 28. That's a fucking lie. 
and he's a Mongolian wrestler. It's like a, it's like more of a Greco-Roman style. He's not a freestyle guy like Freddie Serrano. So I think he's going to have success stuffing the takedowns. Once he stuffs the takedowns, Alatang just doesn't throw enough to physically win the fight. So I, I think Bunnoid's going to do that. Minus 120, uh, again, um, <laughs> it looks too good to be true, to be honest with you. I don't like taking all the favorites, but... It's just where's his head at, and I can't tell you where it's at. And for no. that reason, again, you're probably better off to pass. I'm not it looks too good to be true. Minus 120 seems I'm gonna, real nice considering that American wrestling versus this Mongolese. Like, I don't know if... We haven't seen anybody just take Ryan Benoit down and just lay on top of them. No. If, his, if, if, if he gets super tired, and what I'm worried about is because of the distance and the time off, maybe he's one of those guys that gets super tired. But when you look at Alatang's uh, first fight in the UFC, uh, can't Dane, pronounce the Dana name. Dana Bagdar Gural or something like Another that. Another Mongolian wrestler, right? And it's 1-1 going into the third. Like they split, they split the first two rounds striking in just the most horrendous looking affair. And then in the third round, he takes him down, took his back and rode it out for three minutes, I think, and then gets the decision. <laughs> yeah, like, like Mongolian, you're right. Yeah, right. Not a good time, not a good performance. Are those the only two Mongolians to ever fight in the UFC? I believe so. Because your boy yeah. uh, Jumba Dirki... He fights in one FC. Jumba yeah, Dirki Legends. Yeah. He, uh, he fights everywhere else, just never in the yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. So I, I, I'm seeing Ryan Benoit is a, was a decent American prospect that has a skill and has just lacked a lot of inactivity. He matches up great in this spot. It's that we got to question the narrative of if his head's in the game and, like, how cliche is that? Yeah. So I would just try to bypass it and say Benoit. All right, let's get into the DraftKings breakdown here then. Um... Start at the top, you have Cyril Gagne taking on Tanner Bozer. It sounds like, because well, you were leaning towards decision, that 9600 that is a hefty price tag to pay up for Cyril Gagne. That's one of the flaws in the DraftKings system, is that like, let's say you had won 25 fights in a row, but they were all by decision, then you're, you're a decision machine. But if you were a 7-1 to one favorite over a guy that came into the UFC all banged up, they can't make you... 8400 bucks. you have to reflect that pricing. He's a 7-1 to favorite. Now, he's got a great track record of finishing. Kid you not, this guy is dangerous. He's got striking. He's got grappling. It's just the stylistical clash is that, whereas we are talking about Bozer's success, happens he fights. At distance and throws kicks. He's an unorthodox type of heavyweight, right? He doesn't fight like the rest of the guys. Gagne has been crushing Rafael Pessoa. Does not fucking move, right? These other guys don't move. They're sitting ducks for him. Bozer might present a moving target if that's the case. And then last thing there, everybody's going to want a piece of Gagne. He's a huge favorite, and everybody likes him right now. Always oh, the next big thing. Always oh, the next big thing. I mean, prospect. his inside the distance prop everybody is like leaps and him. bounds. Everybody way, loves him. Way, way wider than anybody should else. He's minus 185 inside the distance, so people are going to be all over that. He should be high ownership. And if that's the case, let's say this does go to decision. Fucking avoid it. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that would be my move uh, there. Duho Choi is 9,400. He's knockout or bust again, right? Like, yeah, if knock, he doesn't get that first round knockout, I don't, see, I don't see him getting over 100 points. If he's a 3-1 to one favorite, and he's a rightfully so 3-1 to one favorite over most guys, then that, that is a play to look at. The thing is, is that he just happened to get one of those guys who's a dog who's got a chin. And Jordan does got a chin. Never been knocked out. Has taken some good punches. Rolls with it. Great gas tank. Keeps going. I think, again, I think he fade off Duho Choi for the 9,400. Kyung-Yo Kang, 9,200. Yeah, I think Kanye Hokang definitely a look. He can cement this guy. By the way, like he's got good 
good grappling, good submissions. What he did to Ishihara first round, just takes him down, takes his back, chokes him out. Again, he's got a very good ability to take the back, and I don't know that Pyongyu Lim's going to be able to fight off these submission attempts repeatedly. Not especially Hung if you Lim, dra- you mean? Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, Hung Yu Lim. King Guan Lu. Hung Yu Lim's absolutely gigantic and probably would fight them off, but yeah, yeah. King Yu Lu, sorry. Uh, I don't think that the Chinese fighter is going to have the takedown defense to consistently keep him off of him. And a great thing here with Mr. Perfect is if he doesn't take the back, he just gets the takedown, and Pyung Yu Lu, for whatever reason's ability to get back up, take him back down. Ground transitions is the sexiest way to get points nowadays. Yeah, knockdowns are nice, right? Significant strikes are cool. Takedowns, we've always loved takedowns, but it's like style on the guy on the ground. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to get multiple takedowns, get transition points, a little bit of ground and prawn sprinkled in the mix. We're going to fade off the, those top two guys. We have a little bit of money for yep. $9,200. I'm leaning more towards that direction. I skipped over by accident. Uh, Sing Wu Choi, who's 9,300. He's taking on a Mukhtarian. So he's always in play. <laughs> if you're taking on a Mukhtarian, you're always in play. But that's a, that's a hefty price tag, too, for what I kind of see as being knockout or bust again. Yeah, and again, if he, if he goes out there and wins in the second round, but not a whole lot has happened, maybe 30, 40 significant strikes, plus that second round finish in the victory... It is ninety three hundred like that? That's his upside. Whereas like Mister Perfect, not one of those guys that's going to break the slate, but he could score huge. And theoretically speaking, looking at the tie, other guys, Duo Choi could. I don't think he's going to. And Cyril Gagne, a lot more comfortable with like he he could go off as well. Of course, those guys could go off big. I, I feel less comfortable with Sung- Wu Choi. However, yeah, I mean, we made the joke last week. Um, ben Saunders, Matt Brown. It's like it's not even just Matt Brown. It's like guys that fight Ben Saunders. Traditionally, score. they score a lot of points, right? And, and when we're going to talk about uh, fake stun gun, Dung Young Ma, like guys that have been fighting him recently, they're, you're just in for a good night. Suma Mokhtarian, same, the get right spot. same thing, yeah. right? So, yeah, he's going to be less owned because he's not that name. He's 0-2 in the UFC. Is not a sexy play whatsoever. He'll have way less ownership. If you want to go that direction, go for it. I'm not super comfortable, although I, I definitely see it. the justifications to it. Pantoja versus Snell. Pantoja could take him down, finish. He could knock him out. He could submit him. He's got past to victory. I don't love it. He's giving up the speed advantage. Schnell has been good to me. You know, he has been my boy in the past. Not loving it, but in comparison to some of the other guys we talked about, uh, yeah, I, I would say Pantoja for $9,100 has good upside. Uh, where are we now? Uh, Chansung Jung, main event. One thing 9, I forgot to mention. Yeah, I forgot to mention this about Chang Sung Jung. Very interesting to me is that Chang Sung Jung is originally supposed to take on Brian Ortega, yep. right? Brian Ortega, he's been working on his striking, but like realistically speaking, he's going to try to grab a hold of you. He's going to try to grab a limb. He's going to try to choke you out or 100%. take a limb home with him. Hundred percent. So like, out of all the camps in the world, it's like where could you possibly go would be the best place to get you ready for that type of game plan. It's like this one doesn't even jump off to the regular person, but he goes to fight ready MMA. It was Henry Cejudo, Captain Eric, and all those boys, right? The Pitbull brothers, and like. That's where he's been the last, like, eight or nine weeks. And he, he literally, he went to the NCAA, like, national title wrestling match. Like, uh, Penn State was in it. Um, he's, he's just immersed himself in wrestling. Now, Ortega falls off. It's like, oh, fuck. I was working on my wrestling so much because I just wanted to keep this guy standing. But now in the Frankie fight, interesting. Frankie doesn't win fights unless he mixes in the takedowns. He does not win, especially this day and age. He doesn't win clean. Well, yeah, he beat Cub Swanson, but, you know, Cub shot a little bit as well. It's just that what makes him dynamic is ability to shoot those takedowns. He doesn't want to stand for 25 minutes against Korean Zombie. So, yeah, $9,000 against Korean Zombie. He keeps the fight standing. Frankie's going to give him a post a little bit of a problem early, you know, that speed advantage in and out of the pocket. 
but grind him out and get the finish. I see it as an okay play. However, you and I both agree on this, that the most likely scenario that we both see is Chang Sung Jung fourth round finish. He's not going to score any takedowns against Frankie. He'll have no ground transition against Frankie. A knockdown, I'm not going to say it's going to be fluky, but we're not banking and on Frankie that. And Frankie has a speed advantage. A fourth round finish might not be, yeah. The significant strikes don't add up. Like, Still not, might not be worth it, even with a fourth round knockout. Yeah, this is a main event that I don't think you have to play. And Frankie's been knocked out one single time, so it's not like we if want to say Frankie he's chinny, wins, but we can then, bank like, on him being Then you're probably relying on, like, takedowns. I could see, f- I would, I don't know. He can get takedowns. It's just I'm losing confidence in his ability to score them now that, yeah. if you look at his record, eh, 35 is his last hurrah. He had two primes in his career, two runs, two separate runs, an elite 55er and an elite 45er. And it caps off in, like, 2015. He's 35 years old. And since then, you see the cracks, and he's 36, 37, 38. Because of that, I, I, can't, I can't have the faith in the wrestling. So Chang Sung Jung, not the worst one in the world, but again, he might be one of the highest-owned guys if people decide to go in that boat. Everyone, always, everyone goes to the main event. Five rounds yeah. does help with that floor, though. There's we a got, lot of unknown commodities here. Like I would rather Omar Morales at $8,800, yeah. who could just absolutely torch him in the first three minutes I mean, of the fight. Here's probably the key spot. Is Miranda Granger versus Amanda Lamas? You liked Amanda Lamas as maybe a dog play that you'd consider playing this week. She's seventy three hundred. Yeah. You're gonna have to save you're, money you're, somewhere to get in a couple nine thousand people. You're gonna absolutely. And if you're not have to. on with uh, with Granger, then Lamas is is your cheap play down there. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. If you're playing a ca- yeah. Amanda Lamont, $7,300. There's nothing really sub-8,000 that we've been narrowing down as, like, this guy's got a shot. Said Nurmagomedov at $7,800. Then, geez, that could be a good cash-type play, but because he's unlikely to knock out Rayoni or submit Rayoni or score any type of ground transitions or takedowns on him, yep. I, I don't know that even at 7,800, he's that big one to put you over. Schnell's not getting no finish. He's not going to finish Pantoja and score big. Uh, Morales I- has first-round knockout capability. Yeah, Morales, I mean, we're not going to go against Morales, but if he fades him out and beats him late, maybe Hung... If you had any faith still left in Dung Hyung Ma's chin, maybe he extends him, maybe that's your play at 7,400, but I don't. Sumo Mokhtarian, nope. Tanner Bozer, even if Tanner Bozer pulled off an epic, legendary um, victory, it still wouldn't be worth it at 6,600. He would get his decision victory, 40 significant strikes, and that is it. Yeah, let's, let me have a look here. You keep, you keep talking there for a second. Pyongyu Lu, his path to victory against uh, Mr. Perfect, it is, it's not, it's not going to be enough to score enough points. Yeah, like Bozer, sorry, took when he, when he won against Spitz. He scored 77 points. 90 That's his th- absolute. And that super. is Daniel Spitz. On one leg. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Spitz is like the most hittable guy in the division. This he's is, like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, He's 6'7". Yeah, he's 6'7". This is not seven. a comparable matchup whatsoever. No, So no, he's not going to no. be landing 93 significant strikes. There was no takedowns. No take, take down, takedowns against Spitz. Like, that's a guy you can just take down and smash. Um, yeah, like, he's, like that is probably Tanner Bozer's ceiling. And it's 77, which at 6,600 would be great. He is not hitting Cyril Gagne 93 times in this fight, or yeah. significant strikes that many times. No, no, it'll all be leg kicks. Nothing yep. will be. It won't I be. mean, those all add up. Every single leg kick is a significant strike by rules, so those do add up. I just, it's going to be really hard to be landing these leg kicks and not just eating shots right down the pipe against a bigger, stronger man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. We talked about Pyongyu Lu. He just doesn't have the path to victory to score you points. Jung Young Park, Barrio's a junkyard dog, man. Like even if you do beat him again, it's just you're not going to score a ton against him. Like Sanchez mm-hmm. was a D three or is a D one three time 
D1 All-American. You know, he struggled with him up against the cage. Like, it's going to be hard to score. Mike Whereas, Rodriguez, 89, <clears throat> or yes. 83. They're, they're both okay like plays. That. They're both okay plays. We're going with Rodriguez, at least I am. 8,300, he's got good upside. He's got the striking advantage. I, I like it. The flip side to that, if you're trying to save money, comparatively to these other sub-8,000 guys that are going to either get wrecked or just be in low-scoring affairs, Da Ung Jung does pace, push a good pace. And, geez, you know, Rodriguez can't really grapple all that mm-hmm. well. He's so big. Maybe he figures out a way. We haven't seen it from him. Maybe he figures out a way how to incorporate his grappling a little bit, and maybe he scores you some points. If you're desperate, that could be one you look towards. Charles Jordan, he's going to have to rely on a third-round comeback finish. Yep. He won't score anything in the medium. Not huge on that. Volkan Uzdemir and Frank Yeager, at this point, you got to consider them both as decent DK plays. Volkan, if he does beat Rakic, going to knock him out in the first round, right? If you don't have money, at least a $7,600 play has a massive bit of upside here, is that the guy has made improvements. Since the Anthony Smith fight, cardio's improved, wrestling's improved, looked better against Reyes, and then Latifi, I mean, Juzy absolutely smoked Latifi. The difference is Latifi's 5'9", and Alexander Rakic is 6'4". I don't think Uzdemir is going to win, but a $7,600 on a GPP, he's got a lot of upside. I mean, I kind of, well... If Frankie, you can play Frankie on cash, because that's 7200 bucks. I mean, he's going to get rounds out of him, I believe. He's not so chinny, he's getting knocked down the first 10 minutes, and he could get takedowns. He's not strong enough, or does he have the grappling to hold down Korean Zombie at this point? Korean Zombie will get back up, but Fra- Frankie's tenacious. He's always throwing punches, he's always coming forward, he pushes a pace. If you do rock him, the best version of Frankie we've ever seen is when he's rocked. Even old man Frankie is better when he's rocked. Stevens kicks him in the face. He takes Stevens down after that. 0 for 4 in the first four takedowns. Kicked in the head, half concussed, takes him down. He's got a second gear. That second gear will score you points even if he ends up losing the 7,200. That's, again, if you need money and you're looking at who's your safest option, you consider them. But as we've previewed in the who do we think is going to win the fights, we're not betting. I'm probably going to play Rackets at 8,600. Completely fair. Then you would have to go with the Lemos, who, I mean, geez, how much of a shitty situation your lineup's riding on. If you're playing one lineup, your rhino's riding on this Amanda Lemos, 32, hasn't fought in two years because of a suspension. Like, come on. I mean, it's early in the That's week. That's what you have to do. It's or you could early have in Frankie, the week. Hopefully I find another spot to go Frankie to here. Or you could Frankie Edgar. He's a $100 cheaper. Yeah. He's a former lightweight champ. He's got all the back class and pedigree in the world. He's in a five-rounder. He's got wrestling. He's got striking. He could out-wrestle Korean Zombie. That is a legitimate path to victory. I don't see it happening. But, but he could. He could outstrike him in pockets at distance. Yeah, you know, there's pass. There. He's a better pick. Lamos, Lamos. It's like it's, it's like we're making an assumption there. So that's all I'm saying is well, one feels better than the and other. And any interest in Benoit versus Alatang as a DK play? Yeah, he's 8,200. He's mid range. This feels like the card to me that you're not going to be able to afford a lot of cheap plays to offset your high expenses. Yeah, so you go mid range. So you're going to have to keep to the so mid range. You get a Benoit Rodriguez. Rodriguez Benoit. That's an 82. That's an 83. You know, if you end up if you end up with a couple, uh, Omar Morales is only 8,800 dollars. Rowney Barcelos, like even at 84, then you don't have to get too greasy where you're trusting Amanda Lamas. Yes, then you can avoid getting massively greasy. If you get massively greasy, you'll end up with one of these massive plays. You know, you might get. But but again, we talk about the guys that get Gagne. What are they going to have to take? What's the exchange? If you want Gagne, what are you going to have to compromise yourself with? So try to keep a balance, folks. Try to keep a balance. And before we get out of here, why don't you hit us with the uh, Pogi Rob Parlay? Pogi Rob Parlay, yeah. Okay, so it's a cheap one because it's mostly favorites. But two weeks ago, what was it? Favorites were like 11 of 13 or 11 of 12, 10 Mm -hmm. of 12. Anyways, Mitchell was the only dog to come through. And Uh, and you outlined it. Jair Zinho, when we did the show, was the underdog. Yeah, he went off as a 35. only won by getting knocked 
out by blowing up his face in he was the, favorite. the last four four seconds. So Yeah, well, it was the easy hedge out. Tough scene. I wish he would have stayed as the dog. It would have made it a much easier hedge out. But well, everyone, I think, as the night me. was going on, everyone just, like, hedged out all of their parlays and stuff like that. Yeah, That's why yeah. he became, I think, the favorite by fight time. Well, this is another easy one, too. If, you, if the parlay makes it far, like, even if you don't put all... 12 fights on it, and you maybe you're like your sixth fight that you felt confident with. If you get to the main event, you do have Korean Zombie, it's an easy head joke because Frank's yeah. plus 155. But we are going to go with Korean Zombie. We're going to go with Alexander Rakic. He's Serbian, I'm Croatian, but passes the pass, man. He's my brother. I love this guy. Duho Choi, he's going to get the victory. Uh, Mike Rodriguez, minus 130. That's some value there. Barrio, minus 125, but that would actually be a smart pass for you. But he, he's the official pick. Kyung Ho Kang, Mr. Perfect Love, 255. Cyril Gagne, 700. Huge price tag, obviously warranted. He's a top prospect. Sung Woo Choi, 265. And yet he is the pick. I ain't taking his Mokhtarian, but like, again, you should... I don't want to touch that price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, he either looks like a million dollars. He either looks like a million dollars and you're like, man, I should have gone all in on him. Or he doesn't and you're like, ah, 265. I'm glad I sat on the sidelines for this one. Omar Morales, this is a trap. I know it, but I will set my foot in it gladly. Minus 190. Pantoja 230, again, that seems like a pretty good price tag, even though I don't love paying big price tags on guys. Rowney Barcellus 115. This could be like my Matt Sales one, where I openly was like, Sales is going to lose to Bryce Mitchell, but, you know, I'm a Sales guy. Only Barcellus is really my guy. Like, I'm not going to bail out on him. Minus 115, he's the play, but you'd be smart to pass. But I'm not going to tell you to pass. I'm saying you're smart to pass. Ride with me on this one, Rowney Barcellus. Let's go. Mandalamos, by virtue of being the only fucking underdog on the card that looks half decent, in my initial opinion. And then we're going to go with Ryan Bunoy. He's minus 20, you know, even enough. Whereas we don't got a lot of dogs, we do have Bunoy minus 120. Rowney Barcellus minus 115. Uh, oh, Barrio just passed on that one. Rodriguez minus 130. And Rakic 145. Four in there that are sub 150. That, that's, that's value as far as I'm concerned. You sprinkle in some of those heavy, he- other heavy favorites with it. Some over and under props. I think we cap off the year on a high note. It's been good so far. Don't blow your load here. But uh, I, I think uh, we're going to be heading into the Christmas break feeling good. After talking about it with you, I think I'm going to make a play on Rakic. I'm going to make a play on Benoit. And I'll wait until Friday night to see if I can get a better price on the uh, Gane by decision. It's plus 305 now. Maybe we can get it up to plus 350. Nothing too big. Um, as I said at the beginning of the show, this feels like a card where it's just like, if you've had, we've had a, a few good cards in a row. This feels like a prime opportunity to give it all back. Oh, yeah. This is the pinch grinch where they're like, I'm going to pinch your savings. Let me see into your exactly. account. Get away from me, Pinch Grinch. So those are probably going to end up being the three plays that I get onto here. But uh, any final remarks? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I'll give you a little parlay just to shoot for it. But, yeah, if you're not going all the way in. uh, Yeah, I would go Omar Morales, minus 190. Put him with uh, Pantoja, Rakic, Rodriguez. And Choi and Benoit. Bam, we're going for it. That's uh, six. Anyways, I would like to say happy holidays to everybody. This is the last show for the year, right? Yeah, next time we'll be back will be the return of Connor. Yeah, unless Unless Connor gets arrested between now and then, which is very much in play based on what's been going on with this guy for the last few years. Maybe in the three weeks that we're off or something, we'll come up with some type of like end of year, you know, what was your moment? What was your big dog play of the year? What was your big favorite? Something like that for like a New Year's thing. But I got to say, like, uh, it's been a very solid year. We've had a lot of good episodes. We've had a lot of good picks. We've had some bad picks. But, hey, that's the business that we're in. Thank you for the, all the audience and all the fans that keep sticking by us. And uh, the numbers seem to be growing every every week, seemingly. And the people are like core good, good amount of people that 
you know, are loyal to the product. So I just really want to say I'm appreciative to all of them and uh, to you as always. Now that we got a switcher, yeah, last, Zach yeah. kicking some ass. It's like you you honestly sound just like a lot more relieved. I mean, when distressed. I, my hands aren't sweating. Like I don't know what to do with my when hands to, like, when they're not doing this. I know. I was holding my hand together like yeah, this because usually better, I'm all over the place. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a lot less stress. Thank you to Zach, obviously, for uh, stepping up and in to help us out with this. And there's going to be a lot more Zach. Moving forward. And the last thing is, uh, because this is a cheap weenie card here, there's a lot of Bellator fights on this weekend. They're doing like three spread out cards. So, got, yeah, yeah. You got some underdog that you're big up on, aren't, aren't you? No, I hit Jeff Horn last night. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'd yeah. already hit. Yeah. I saw your tweet about it. Five. Okay, so I spent last night watching some girls' camera. Okay, so Jeff Horn lost the first fight. So his team obviously destroyed all of the fucking footage, not on anywhere to be found. But there's this girl that was at the venue on the first fight, found her crazy Facebook, creeped it, didn't slide into the DMs, but yeah, she she like filmed it from like, I don't know, the eighth row. And it's like horns fat and out of shape and bleeding right off the get-go, and it's competitive, and he gets stopped in the ninth of ten. So now he's in Brisbane, same place he was when he beat Pacquiao, which was arg- arguably a rob job. And he just can't lose there. And mm-hmm. it's just like, man, it's only a 10-round title fight. Like, title fight's supposed to be 12 rounds. They've made it specifically 10. It's in Brisbane. He's 275 underdog, and he was close in the last fight. And it's like, yeah, he, he rolled pretty fair, fairly good anyways. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's boxing plays. If you care about boxing plays, hit me up, I guess. But. Yeah, you can follow Cody on Twitter, <laughs> at CJ Safdick, for any of his... Uh, Big underdog boxing plays like that, but that wraps That's it up. That's two this year, so yeah, it's been a good year. That wraps it up for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to Cody Safik bringing down the fights with me as always. Thank you to Zach, ZP. We'll call him ZP. That's the new nickname. Unless uh, maybe people in the comment section will tell us a better nickname. But uh, Zachary Penser, thank you for helping us out this week. Uh, for Cody and Zach, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.